0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I read an article this past week, which I've been thinking about, and I want to share with you just a small section of it. This is what the author writes. He says, the coronavirus crisis is exposing our false idols. A false idol is something other than God, on which we place our hearts, our focus, and our hopes as something that can deliver for us what we want and need. False idols are what people actually worship and adore rather than what people say they worship and adore. Sports are a false idol. Right now they're gone. Money, being able to buy and spend as we wish, is an idol for so many in our culture of consumerism. Yet for those facing economic hardship, these assumptions are now in question. Health is a false idol on which young and old place their dreams and hopes. A long, healthy life can no longer be assumed. I can go on and on. The point is that what or whom we really believe in is being exposed as in no other way that I've seen in my lifetime. Now, as I read that article, I was thinking, is that true? Is the coronavirus crisis, uh, is this truly exposing for us what we really believe in, what we put our trust in? Is it revealing to us our idols? In our first reading from Acts, we're told the story of how Paul visits the great city of Athens, uh, the city of Socrates, of Plato, of Aristotle, the city of the Acropolis, the Parthenon, There was so much to see in Athens. And this was probably Paul's first visit to this great city he had heard all about. And yet what we're told in the reading is that Paul doesn't see these things. Instead, what he sees are the idols. This is how the reading begins. While Paul was waiting in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. One commentator I read said it should be translated that the city had given itself over to idolatry, or that the city was smothered or swamped with idols. When Paul looked around Athens, what he saw was a city that had given itself over to idolatry. Now, this this concept and idea of idols, let's just take a second and think about that. Uh, Because an idol, and I don't know what you think of when you picture an idol, but an idol is, is more than a statue made of wood or stone. An idol is anything that is more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek in order to get what only God can give. And so in this sense, an idol can be almost anything in our life. Timothy Keller is a Presbyterian preacher, author, and he has a great short book called Counterfeit Gods. And in the book, he talks about this concept of idols. And he lays out four questions for us to consider as we think about what we truly put our trust in. These these are the four questions. I found them helpful. First, he says, he says, think about your daydreams about where your mind tends to rest. There was an Archbishop of Canterbury last century, William Temple, who said, your religion is what you do with your solitude. So what do you think about in your silence? Do you think about material things like a new home? Do you think about your children, success at work, your relationships? What do you habitually think about in order to get joy and comfort in the privacy of your heart? That's the first question he poses. Second, he says, where do you spend your money? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where do you spend your money most easily? And I think that's a key word, easily. There's areas where it's, as we know, hard to spend our money. But there's these other areas that it's very easy to spend what we have. What are those areas? Third question. This is one I hadn't heard before. He says, think about your greatest nightmare. Is there something that could happen in your life that would give you no reason to live? Something that important, what is it? And he says, if you find something like that, there's probably an idol there. And then fourth question, he says, think about your emotions. What do you often get angry about? Uh, where do you have guilt? Do you get scared in a certain situation because something in your life is being threatened that you're trying to protect? He says maybe an idol is there. Almost 200 years ago in the 1830s when de Tocqueville recorded his famous observations of America in democracy in America, he, he made a comment about us as a country. And this is a quote. He says, there is a strange melancholy that haunts the inhabitants in the midst of abundance. There's a strange melancholy that haunts the inhabitants in the midst of abundance. And what de Tocqueville talks about is he says that Americans believe that prosperity can quench their yearning for happiness. But for him, this was illusionary because he says, and this is another quote, a great quote, He says, the incomplete joys of this world will never satisfy the human heart. And I like that phrase, especially incomplete joys. Because it reminds us that what we typically put our hope in, what we really believe in, are not bad things. No, they're good things. They're joyful things. Ultimately, there are things that have been given to us by God. But they're not the good thing. They're not God. We tend to worship and put our hope in incomplete joys. You see, we as humans are unique. There is one thing that we do that no other creature in the world does, and that's worship. We are the only creatures who do this. We're the only creatures who pray, and that is kind of an astounding thing to think about, I mean, why do we do this? I mean, your dog doesn't worship. Your cat doesn't have a little altar in the backyard where he drops his, his birds that he collects. No, it's just us. And what we find is that it's not an option for us. We have to worship something. It is a need deep within us. All of us have to live for something. That's why we go to churches, to synagogues, to temples. That's why we give ourselves to causes, devote our lives to issues. That's why we worship idols, because we have to. We are worshiping creatures. And this is true about us because God made us this way. And he made us this way so that we might seek him. As Paul says in our reading today, he says, we were created this way so that we might search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. And the truth is, there is hope in this. C.S. Lewis says, If I find in myself a desire, a longing which no experience in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. My fulfillment lies in another world. You know, there, There's this idea out in culture that if you don't go to church, if you're not religious, then you don't worship anything. But that's completely false. Everyone is worshiping something. Most of us are worshiping multiple things, even if we're not aware of it. And again, at one level, this is a gift. Because again, it hopefully, it draws us to God. But at the other level, it's a danger. And that's because we tend to worship things that are good, that are really good, but are not the greatest good. Not God. We tend to worship those incomplete joys. So let's go back to the reading. Let's go back to Paul in Athens. Because Paul looks around and he sees all these idols. And what does he do? Well, first thing he does is he gets upset. It says he was deeply distressed. Now why is he upset? Well, first he's upset Because he thinks God has been dishonored. Which is interesting to think about. Uh, Do we get upset when we see God being dishonored? Should we get upset in those cases? I mean, there's a lot to talk about there. But we take note, Paul gets upset when he sees God dishonored. But then he's also upset because Paul knows that these gods will fail them. They will fail them. And so what he does is he begins to share. He begins to witness about Jesus. He doesn't throw up his hands in despair. He doesn't complain, which we all do sometimes. But rather, he does something constructive, does something positive. He shares about Jesus. And here's what he says. This is how he begins when he speaks to the crowd. He says, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. I see that you're people who worship like everyone, that you're seeking something greater than yourself. And then he says, but now is the time to turn from these lesser gods, from these idols, because the true God has drawn near to you. In fact, Paul says, God has always been near to you. He created you. He sustains you. And then Paul quotes a Greek poet who says, for in him we live and move and have our being. And the great promise of the gospel is that in Jesus, God has drawn even closer. And he's drawn close to us so that he might share his very life with us. He shares his spirit with us. That's why they can turn from idols Because in Jesus, God has come even nearer. They can encounter God in Jesus. You know, the truth, that truth that God is not far from you, that's that's a truth to hold on to. You know, those in Athens, their assumption was that God was far off. God didn't really care for them. And so they built these little idols to have something close and concrete. But Paul says, no, God has become concrete In Jesus, the life that he gives us has become concrete. And then Paul ends by warning them, telling them that they need to repent. They need to turn. Remember, repent means to turn back. And he tells them this because their idols will fail them in the end. He says, you need to repent and turn back to the God who's drawn near to you in Jesus. As I mentioned in the beginning, that article, it argued that the coronavirus and everything we're going through and that it, that it is exposing our false idols. And maybe that's happening. I don't know. Uh, it's probably happening for some individuals, but for others not. But I do believe that the author is right when he says that this is a unique time to really reflect on what we truly believe in, what we truly trust in. It's during these difficult times that our idols are threatened. And so, in a strange way, that's a blessing. I mean, so often our idols are hidden from us, but now they're being exposed. We can spot them. And so, during these difficult times, we need to learn to take our hearts off of some of the things we make too important Uh, those good things that we turn into salvation. And it doesn't mean that we need to reject. These good things doesn't mean that you need to love your career less or love your child less. We just need to love God more in relation to these things. Because again, as Paul says, these lesser gods in the end, they'll fail us. That they can't give us the peace and security that we were made for. And, And we know that in our head, but we struggle to know that in our heart. What do we truly believe in? What do we put our hope in? That's what Paul asks us today. And then he shares the Christian hope. And he calls us to repent, to turn back to the God who meets us in Jesus. That's what we need to do. And if you're like me, you need to do it every day. We need to turn back so that the God who created and sustains us can possess and protect our souls. Amen.